Are you ready? This is MV Young, and you are listening to A Shot of Wrestling. And on today's show, we're going to talk about LGBTQ performers in professional wrestling and their impact. We're going to talk about poly cults, and we're going to talk about all the crazy bullshit I'm doing, like bar fights, etc., and just how hot MV Young is in general. You're ready and willing, I'm able, and welcome to another exciting edition of A Shot of Wrestling, the interviews. Now we say it time, and time again that wrestling brings us together, and today is no different. Today, as we open up our year for 2020, the start of a new decade, there is no better person that we wanted to bring on than the American attraction, M. The Young Welcome. Wow. Shot of wrestling. Hi. I feel like I'm coming out of the curtain right now. I'm hype. <laughs> I'm hype. I'm hype. Let's go. <laughs> you know, that's how, how we kind of like to make you feel. I when you love come to that. Shot of I wrestling. love that. I'm so ready. But we just took a few whiskey shots, which is not a usual feeling for me, but I have the adrenaline. I'm a little buzzed, so I'm ready to talk some shit. So you're an open book from where yeah. we started. So uh-huh. let's see how much of that open book we could really talk about. Oh, okay. 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 As wrestlers, as performers, as entertainers, mm-hmm. you guys are known to tell stories. Mm-hmm. You're telling a story in the ring. So let's get started. Okay. In okay. a way that a close personal friend of yours got started on a shot of wrestling, Effie. Okay. And I'm going to ask him the first question that I asked him. Okay. What is your story? Wow, what is my story? Okay, so first off, I know that Effie told you a story about the field, right? The yes. Field. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My story is not so crazy, um, but I will say this. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and my senior year of high school, my dad got offered a job at NASA, which is in Florida. Mm-hmm. I had uh, a few opportunities to play rugby in college. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was kind of considering like maybe doing that and being like the athlete wrestler you know like oh yeah maybe but then i found this school in florida that had scott hall and larry zabisco as the coaches my dad's job was in titusville 20 minutes away so we he got a house very close to this school and i thought man i just feel like i gotta fucking do this i just feel like i just gotta go to fucking Florida. Yeah. I was like, I never even thought about living in Florida. Like I ha- I was thinking about going to school in PA. I had a girlfriend at the time that was going to school in PA. I was just like, I think this is a, there's a reason that my family's moving to Florida. So I moved with them and I did. Sorry to interrupt, but are you like one of those, cause I started to get that feeling. Are you like one of those people that believe like certain things happen at a certain time for a certain reason? You kind of go with the flow oh my God. with them? Like- Absolutely. But I also not go with the flow. I think that you need to be the aggressor. But I think that things happen. I think people give you the Iggy on nice. life. Yeah. I think that people give you, you know, the double tap and they're yeah. like, hey, you know, this is fucking happening. You know, because I was researching schools and I was going to go to the uh, Iron City Wrestling Academy in Pittsburgh. But the school that I had a rugby, sp- uh, rugby scholarship to was two hours away. Mm. So what would that have been like? Would I have committed? I don't know. I don't fucking know. I love I know that I love pro wrestling, but yeah. do I know that? with a girlfriend at that college and that with a full-time rigorous athletic schedule and with a full-time academic schedule that I would have committed to pro wrestling the way I have if I moved to Florida, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have. I don't yeah. think I would have. I mean, you understand, you know, I didn't get a graduation party because my family abruptly moved. And I know that was like a thing in Western PA. So like my family gave me two grand. That was like, that was like the last bit of money I got from my family was the two grand because, you know, they were like, sorry, we can't have this graduation party. We're moving. Mm-hmm. Two grand was the price of admission no for one, way. for one year. And my dad was be. so fucking pissed at me. <laughs> 
He was so fucking pissed at me. I bought trunks before I was even a goddamn wrestler. He's like, what? I bought bright green trunks. He's like, what the fuck are you going to do? He's like, you're going to wear bright green trunks and just show up at school. I was like, uh, no, I'm going to wear basketball shorts and I'm going to learn how to be a wrestler and then I'm going to wear these bright green trunks. Um, as it may be, I ended up never wearing those green trunks and wearing blue <laughs> trunks. But um, that's how it ended up being. And I spent, yeah, I spent that, I could have spent that two grand on anything. I spent it on fucking wrestling school because. It's all I've envisioned being since I was a goddamn six-year-old. My dad still talks about it, that I spent all that money on wrestling school or all the money that he gave me on wrestling school. How but, does your friends and family, the people close to you, feel mm-hmm. about you pursuing this career in professional wrestling? Well, I think that my friends and family and the people close to me, especially the people close to me, have changed quite a bit since I've been a wrestler. I mean, mm. does my family love it? No, they don't love it at all. They, my family wants me to be... A modest boy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my family, you know, like my, my, my sister's a nurse and my other sister's still in high school and she still has, you know, her whole life ahead of her, but I'm a fucking professional wrestler and I refuse to be identified as anything but. So do I think that for, you know, a mom and a dad that grew up in what small town, Western PA moved to Florida when they retired, quote unquote, and are have always just been small town people. Do I, th- it's fucking crazy to them. The shit that I do is insane to them. Absolutely. But I think that slowly I've been pecking away at earning their respect for sure because they see, you know, that when, when they see the people are flying me out for gigs now, right. they see that, you know, who was I, the first promotion who flew you out? Prestige wrestling. Okay. In Hermiston, Oregon. Give me my, my, my first fucking shot at awesome. anything. Give me my first big time feud with filthy Tom Lawler. And to segue back, that's also my dad was like, wow, that's pretty cool that you're wrestling Tom Lawler. Because I'll tell you right now that I watched Tom Lawler fight on pay-per-view with my fucking dad no uh, for UFC. And he's like, wow, that's wild. It was like a crack in like him respecting me. It's not all there yet. Like, because, you know, he didn't know any any pro wrestlers. He didn't know that, you know, it was a big deal if I wrestled Matt Tremont, which happened. He didn't. To me, that's it's a big deal. Awesome. But to yeah. him, he didn't know that. But to see Tom, me in a on a stage fighting Tom Lawler, who him and I have watched, you know, together yeah. when I was a, a boy, that's cool to him, you know. So, it, you know, little things like that legitimize myself to him. But at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck if I legitimize myself to him because I know I'm legit. You know, like it doesn't matter. I know that one day I'm going to reach a point where he's going to realize that this is, you know, a fucking legitimate career. Mm-hmm. But as for now, you know, little victories like that, I'm more than suffice with. And your mother, what does she think about you and your professional wrestling career? <laughs> you know, I think that um, my mom is the most supportive family member I have for sure. And she also like, <clears throat> I think it's like with with caution, but she likes it. Like, Okay, so for instance, when she sees me doing death matches, she freaks the fuck out. I but, would too. Yeah, yeah. If you were my kid, I'd be yeah, like, right, right. don't do that. Right. Um, when I cut my back real bad, she mm. was like, what the fuck are you doing? But... When she sees me on a microphone and having a crowd in the palm of my hand, she's <laughs> like, she's like, I feel like this was, you know, my mom has never told me that I should stop. I'll say that. And my dad has told me that I should stop. In that regard, um, when I become very rich and famous, my mother will be very rewarded. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of uh, labels. I feel like the world just likes to put labels on people. It oh, makes absolutely. them comfortable. Absolutely. What are some of the labels that are associated with MV Young? And what are some of those labels that you are comfortable with being attached to your name? And yeah. some, of the one that, some of the ones that you just feel like, that's not me. Fuck that shit. It's interesting you say that because I think that labels have come across me only in the last year. Mm. And I think that, for one, I think that I've heard people in the last year call me a gimmick guy, which is interesting because for five years of my life, I wasn't a gimmick guy. I was a wrestler guy. I just kind of like really just opened myself up. And there was a lot of personal things that happened in my life that led to me being comfortable with opening myself up and like I was telling you before we were on recording we're being cliche however I am being myself times 30 right now Mm -hmm. and for that you know I think that people label you know if people want to label me as like okay I came out in the last year as uh openly bisexual and I think that if you want to label me as a queer wrestler that's fine but I also believe that I've been in there with in a ring as a work rate guy before I was known as a bisexual wrestler with so many people that are work rate people. And mm-hmm. I've not only have I hung, I've had fucking bangers. 
I think that there's a label for me as I co-founded Uncanny Attractions. And I think people are, you know, the same thing that people say about Cass. Like, oh, you know, sometimes he fucking, uh, or he books himself, bullshit, you know, type shit like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, we book ourselves because, A, this opportunity fell into my lap. And B, because Cass is a fucking star. And right. I feel like I'm a fucking star. And we have fucking followings. And I'm sorry that if you don't like that we have followings that aren't inside of your bubble of people that... You, you think there's a certain way that you should get a following. There's no fucking way in any type of entertainment where it's like, okay, A to point A to point B is this. It's never like that. Mm-hmm. It's never like that in any form of entertainment where you have to follow a blueprint. There's no fucking blueprint. You get over, you get popular, and you get a following any way you fucking have to. And especially if you're being authentic the way I am being. Right. I'm being authentic to my fucking self, so I'm not going to apologize for, you know, I don't work for any major indie promotions, but I have a fucking following. Cast doesn't work for any major indie, pro- oh, I guess CZW to extent, they've hit a rock, but, you know, they, <laughs> but, but Cast, you know, and Cast has a following. I'm not, yeah, absolutely. well, I'm not going to fucking apologize for getting a following without working for any major U.S. promotions. You can let me know when you want me to work for you guys and bring my following to you. You know, that's not... That's not something I, I feel. I feel like a lot of the top guys these uh, last few years, where there's been a boom in wrestling, oh yeah, have taken the strides that you've taken in this past year, where yeah. you're trying to build your own brand outside of other promotions, right? Yeah, you know, and that makes it a little bit more valuable for the wrestler. Oh, absolutely. What are some of the tips that you may have that have made that successful for you? Well, okay, so this that's the one thing that I I just caught like kind of an aggression about because I was like, you know what? The companies that I'm working for that are buzzy are so far in, in in between. It's like Battle Club's a little buzzy, and like I worked that GoPro show where they booked a bunch of talent. And it was a little buzzy. Yeah. But like other than that, I'm working companies that maybe you don't necessarily know. But I just got like an attitude about it where I was like, I'm gonna make you fucking care about what I'm doing. I'm mm-hmm. gonna make people on the West Coast who saw me at Prestige. Care, care about what I'm doing in Pittsburgh. I'm going to make the people in, that saw me in Florida care about what I'm doing in Pittsburgh. The people that saw me in New York, West Virginia, where the fuck I'm at. I want you to care about this person. You may not even know that I'm wrestling this weekend. Mm-hmm. I just like that's, I'm going to treat every single person that I'm wrestling like an important fucking piece of my story because yeah. that's what, that's really what we're doing no matter what, how you look at it. Every single weekend, I'm telling you, a different layer in the story of MV Young, and that's what's beautiful about independent wrestling, is that I have the create I have the creative freedom to tell you who I am. I don't have a producer handing me a script and telling you what I am. If I want to wrestle a three hundred pound, six foot five man and tell you that I'm just a little fucking shitty cheater, I can do it that week. And if the next week I'm wrestling a technical uh, work rate guy and I want to wrestle that way, I can do that too because I've been doing this shit. And then the next week I'm going to wrestle AC Romero in a death match yeah. in fucking a bar in Brooklyn with no ring. I'm going to do that too. And that's you know how is MV Young going to adapt to every single one of those settings? If I'm going to get over doing that shit. Getting over is getting over because I know that I'm a good worker. It's it's all about who's booking you because you know you go on one of these big promotions and people are like, oh, you know, he works for there and he works for there, he works for there. But if you go there and you're already established and people are excited to fucking see you yeah. before you even get there, that's all the more impactful. You don't get the fucking who are you, who are you? <laughs> yeah, you don't need that shit. You fucking go out of your way to make your own following because it's the fucking yeah. it's 2020. I have Twitter, I have Instagram, I have Facebook, and I have a goddamn camera on my phone and I'm fucking hot and I'm gonna fucking put this shit over till. I'm going to get myself fucking over until the big quote unquote big promotions do book me. Are there uh, any promotions that you're looking forward to working with that you haven't worked in before? You know, I see people tagging me in the bigger promotions and stuff like people, you know, I see people tagging me for like the, the beyond who do you want to see and the GCW, who do you want to see and the limitless, who do you want to see? And my reaction is always this. I like it. And I say, thank you, whatever. But, I'm going to get fucking over either way. That's that's how I look at it now. Like it used to make me sad. I would say this like mm-hmm. I was like, man, I wish I was there already. I wish I was there. But the reality is everywhere I go now, I'm getting a fucking reaction, which is more than I can say about myself two years ago. And I get a pop on social media and I get a pop anywhere that I go. Really, I'm just working on ways to get over. So when that happens and it will happen, 
I'm going to be fucking ready to get over whether I need to be a character or a work rate guy. I'm going to be ready for that shit. And that's all I care about right now. You, you are someone who, who has a, a good confidence about themselves. Mm-hmm. Who really pretty much thinks you're the shit, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere you go, like you just mentioned, you know, you're going to make yeah. MV young be that draw wherever he goes, no matter yeah. what promotion it right. is. That, was that confidence always in there for you? Or is it something that built throughout the years? I think that when I envisioned like myself as a, as a wrestler, when I was like in high school, like I felt that way. And then I think that when I first started at wrestling, I was the, uh, kind of the shits, but I mean, just like, you know, I was green, I was new type stuff. And I think that it really taxed my self-esteem for a while there. And then I really caught on to like technical wrestling and like having good matches, technically speaking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was doing these matches and it wasn't every weekend, but it was whenever I would get someone that was, you know, like a juicy opponent that I was having these good matches. And it'd be like little, little spurts of like people on Twitter or Facebook or whatever being like, man, that fucking match was good. Like, dude, you're good. You need to be other places type shit. And then it was like it became, you know, I was like, you know what I realized is like one thing I'm not is. I'm not a guy that's ever going to do moves that other people can't do, but I'm just putting together creative matches that, you know, make sense and are intense. And, and two, that when you get a character that's over, people give a fuck about every little thing you do much more. And that was my big problem was I was like a guy that was doing what I do, which is I do different suplexes. I do different kind of kicks, but I don't do anything that physically other people cannot fucking do. But when you start to get this gimmick over, every single move you do means much more to the audience. And that was like when I realized I was like, whenever you can get something like a stupid fucking snap German into a super kick over, that means so much more than when you're just a wrestler in trunks doing that. Yeah. But when you're MV young and you do, when you become MV young, sorry, like when, <laughs> when I be, when I became MV young and I do the snap German and they're on their knees and I get that pause and I blow the kiss and that means something to everybody in the fucking crowd. And then I do the super kick as opposed to two years ago when it was snap German, super kick cover one, two, Oh, you know, it's not like that anymore. It's like, I snap that German, you're on your knees, and I'm going to fucking make you wait for it, and the crowd's waiting for it, and I'm going to hit that super kick right on the fucking button. That's when I started getting the confidence, when I can feel like everything I do means something to the crowd. That's yeah. when I start. So I'd say, like, when I really started finding myself, like we were talking off uh, off microphone, me finding myself as a character has led to me being like, fuck, man, I feel like I can go out there and own any fucking crowd. That's just, and that's how I feel right now. It's been definitely one of my, uh, and I've discussed it before, it's been one of my pet peeves in wrestling. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, as an independent wrestler, yeah. you're out there, you have every day, 365 days a year yeah. to make an impression yes. on a fan. Right. You know, with social media, you could go on social media at any time throughout Absolutely. the day. Yeah. And there's so many people who don't take advantage of that. Right. You in this past year have taken advantage right. of that and taken that opportunity. And like we spoke before, you know, you've, kind of come into your own yeah you know through that i would say that um i almost feel like it was like a thing for a while where like what we were talking about previously where like i hadn't worked for like major promotions so i almost felt like i didn't like quote unquote deserve that right (laughs) to uh (coughs) excuse me to like talk shit constantly and then you know effie and i became very good friends and effie was doing the goddamn thing from fucking florida and you know right. that's a goddamn yeah. pit. South, South, South. How is the wrestling scene over there? It's fucking rough, man. It's fucking rough. I mean, you get the fest, which helped him a lot, and and you know you get the every now and then like Gabe Sapolsky will go down there, but you know it's pretty pretty rough down there. There's a lot, but it doesn't get you a lot of publicity. So for you to go out of your way to get over like that, and really you know, and just like being his friend and learning from him, I was just like, man, like it doesn't fucking matter. Mm where you're working Mm -hmm. you just need to make people fucking care absolutely and that was my mentality in the last year was no matter where i work um and no matter who i'm working i'm gonna make you fucking care about this and sometimes that shit flopped like sometimes it didn't sometimes people didn't care sometimes i would cut a promo on someone and get 300 views and hardly any likes and sometimes i'll do a promo and like it would get 5,000 views and you know people were like oh this is fucking dope yeah but and that's just part of being an entertainer and a creator is you're not going to make something that everyone fucking likes. Sometimes, you know, you make something. I'm just out here improving a fucking promo about someone that I don't even know or you don't know. 
and sometimes you're doing a promo and it just fucking clicks and people love that shit. But I've worked my way up to being what I am now from forcing myself to be in that uncomfortable position of promos every fucking match. Yeah. Make yourself promote this fucking show. That, and that's how the fans, that's how we relate. We see what you guys are doing, but the more you put yourself out there, the more we get to know who you are. Like, right. I remember going to my first <coughs> independent show and really like, oh, I, I have maybe heard of some of these names, but I don't know who they are. So now I'll start researching. And if you don't have content out there, right. then I don't know who you are. I'm right. not invested. You yeah. know? But one of the things that we have gotten invested in these last few years in our area has been the Brooklyn death match, no ring mm-hmm. death match scene. Yeah. It's something that you've been very involved with, with mm-hmm. Casanova Valentine. Yeah. What do you think is some of the things that if anybody who's listening mm-hmm. needs to be turned on to what you guys are doing? Well, the, the most important thing to me about the no ring death matches, and I've said this uh, on Twitter many times is that those fucking no ring death matches pull in casuals. Unlike any other wrestling show they do not bore people they do not like even when i wrestled ac in uh greenpoint last weekend there were so many people there that i know like i because you know when people follow me i do sometimes creep a little bit i'm like (laughs) and i get all these twitter followers and they're not even fucking wrestling fans they're just like Mm -hmm. brooklyn hipsters and they're just like oh yeah we fucked with what you did you did that you know like what like that is so imperative to what we do and the fact that we are drawing in casuals that are giving us money, that means that there's a, uh, a dozens of people that threw $20 at this event that they didn't, they've probably never even seen wrestling before. Right. Or maybe their friends were like, oh, I love wrestling. Come see this shit. And they were into it enough that, you know, they went out of their way to follow me on social media. To me, like, that's the fucking market because we have what? We have 2.5 to 3 million people watching professional wrestling every week on television. We have 36 million people in this fucking country. So how do we get that other 33 million people to care about what the fuck we're doing? Yeah. Not saying that there's going to be a no ring deathmatch television show one day, but if someone now likes professional wrestling overall because they saw me smashing AC Romero's face in or humping his face or being MB Young, mm-hmm. like then that's that fucking shit that I'm about. Like I want to fucking grow. Th- I, I want it to be bigger than it can be, not just, oh, can I uh, – can I appeal to the guys in the Bullet Club shirts? I don't. I don't care about that. How many people have that demographic? I want the people that are in Brooklyn that have mummy and daddy paying their rent and their trust with their trust fund to fucking care about me and give me their money. You know, I don't need. I don't need the wrestling bubble. Let's make it bigger. And how can we do that? And that's what's beautiful about No Ring Death Matches is, no matter who the fuck you are. You're not going to fucking not look at this spectacle happening before you. You're not going to look away. You're not right. you're not going to fucking be like, "Oh, this is boring." Like, and let's just be honest, some people, some people that don't like wrestling, if you're watching a, a wrestling show in a ring and someone's milking a headlock, if I'm a wrestling fan, yeah, I like that shit. You talk your shit and you fucking milk the headlock. But let's just be dead ass. If you're in the fucking no ring death match and two dudes are brawling out, you can't look away. How the fuck are you going to look away? MV Young, 180 pounds versus AC Romero, 450 pounds, and we're fucking fighting in a fucking bar right now. How are you going to look away? If you've yeah. never you've never seen wrestling in your fucking life, how are you going to look away from MV Young body slamming AC Romero and then, oh, and then super kicking and knee and, oh, my <laughs> God, this little fucking skinny blonde boy just fucking beat AC Romero. How the fuck can you look away from that? You can't. That's the difference between no ring death matches and why they're going to be a fucking mainstream thing one day and regular professional wrestling. I have to bring it up because it's something that, you know, in the New York scene, we have the New York State Athletic Commission. Is that something that you as now someone who has taken on canning promotions and Mm -hmm. more of that promotion, something that you're worried about doing no ring death matches? I've I've been worried about them um, before, like for... There was a few things that came up with Mania Week um, last year, where one we oversold. Murder Mania. Uh, no, yeah, well, yeah. So okay, the No Ring Death matches—they don't even fucking touch that because Cass uh, promotes us as art shows. So right. the athlete, but the uh, when it was WrestleMania la- week last year, and we did the Uncanny show at House of Yes, the they tried to shut us down originally because we fucking kept selling tickets and we were over capacity for Ooh. the the fire gimmick. And then uh, whatever the I, I don't I don't know what I don't I, I don't even know like what what do we call it that safety gimmick fire hazard yeah yeah and I was like okay well let's make that fucking money and then um, at the end there was only one hardcore match excuse me and it was me and Casanova 
And I didn't even do anything like that fucking hardcore. I think I took like a back body drop through like chairs that were set up in like a platform. And the dude was like freaking out. And I'm like, man, like we don't even have color. We're not even bleeding. We're not even yeah, bleeding. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we're not like, and uh, like my producer, the executive producer, Lynn Fraley, was like, I could saw her. We were like fucking six minutes in and she was getting freaked out because the athletic commission was telling her to shut it down and she was oh, going to wrap God. it up. I was like, we're the main event. This is Mania Week and we can't wrap it right now. Like, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so I fucking busted those chairs up and shit and like they were getting pissed about that. So in that regard, it pisses me off because my whole fucking gimmick is chaos. And like I fucking, you know, New York City is my shit. This is where I fucking thrive. That's why I like the no ring. I don't go into a no ring death match ever being scared that I'm going to get shut down. Mm-hmm. And Uncanny was fucking baller as shit. Like there was, it was so full and so hype and like they love that shit and they were trying to shut it down. And that's what, you know, scares me is that a hot show is going to get cut off for no I don't say no reason, but whatever they deem acceptable reason, right. because these shows are hot. You know, that happened to GCW, didn't it? Like last year, there was like low life. Louie got color. Well, he got yeah, he yeah, got cut pretty bad with a right. But also, in, but as you know, if that happens in Jersey, nothing happens. You know, like that that mind blowing. Yeah. So recently, a BCW show got canceled um, uh, yeah. because of the athletic commission, right. and there's certain small things like i feel like they're very nitpicky yeah you know and you know i'm just gonna be blatantly honest you know we're like just a couple miles away we're we're crossing a river and it's insane how many regulations are placed on the new york shows versus the jersey shows it's insane and it is exhausting because also something that does is it just overall raises the price of um running a show yeah right and like you know it like what it is you got to get a doctor and you got ambulances yeah all that licenses and like and like obviously those are things that should happen either way but it's like there's this like new level of pressure like oh don't fuck up don't fuck up don't fuck up and it's like man the wrestlers feel that pressure i think a little bit i mean you know i know that when we have uncanny meetings in new york you know we have to be very careful like you know like Mm -hmm. if you're going outside you have to tell us and you have to tell this commissioner uh whatever they are someone that works for the athletic commission you have to tell them what we're going to do exactly that was one of the issues that Cass and I ran into in the mania we didn't tell anyone what we were doing um they're very weird about going over the barricades absolutely yeah um and shit like that which Cass and I did they're very weird about color as you uh, we talked about the GCW show and there's just something where like you really have to you really have to you know, it's not it's not as it's not as free. It's not as fun as mm. a regular show. We're just like, oh, let's go fucking kill it. It's like, okay, let's try not to get this show shut down. That that adds stress to your life as a performer. Always, you know, like if you're trying not to ruin an entire show, right. not just your own performance. That's a, that's a new pressure that you don't really usually have. Yeah, New York Athletic Commission is a truth. Yeah, there are fines. Yeah, you know, they are real. Right, they are out there. Um, but we just touched a little piece of the other side of MB Young, mm-hmm. the, I guess, the promoter side. Yeah. You know, with Uncanny Promotions. How did you get involved with House of Yes and, you know, putting a show together? It was completely random. I was a personal trainer at Blink Fitness in Bushwick, and I got a client, and her name was Lynn, and she is a, a professional producer, event live event producer. She's worked on um, the first Coachella panorama super bowl halftime shows like very successful very (laughs) successful and uh i was just her trainer for a little bit and then she kind of like stumbled into finding out that i was a professional wrestler and she's like what the fuck have you never told me about this and i was like oh i don't i was like i don't i'm weird about telling everyone about this because like i don't know how the fuck you're gonna take it and she's like she's like we need we need to 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 do something with this she's like like what like what why why do i she's like we need to do something with this and i was like you know, people have told me this before. The interesting thing about doing a podcast and doing all audio, yeah. they totally miss out on your face expressions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> the the way that you just uh, pinpointed the this person you were training, like her, it was like a light bulb. Yeah, oh, her, that's her liter- eyes bugged out. I mean, that is literally what? that is literally what it was because I <laughs> she thought I was like a collegiate wrestler, uh-huh. and then when she found out I was like a in quote unquote WWE wrestler. She was like, what the fuck? She's like, that's so fucking cool. Like, you know, I'm a live event producer. Like we need to do something. I was like, ah, you know, people say this shit to me all the fucking time. We need to do stuff like this, whatever. And she like kept pushing it, kept pushing it. And she's like, you know, like 
she's like, I feel like this could be really cool. And like, she knew, she knew about my sexuality. She's like, I feel like we could do like, like a queer formatted event. And like, she's like, we could add drag queens. And I was like, I love drag. I was like, we could fucking, I was like, that sounds fun. But also I was still just saying this is fun because no one at this point has ever, people have said shit to me about hosting wrestling events, but I was just like, I don't like, you're just one of my clients. I don't know. And then like it kept getting closer and closer. And then she set up a meeting with the house of yes. And I was like, Oh wow. I was like, wow. I just had a, I just had a meeting with the house of yes. And they're like, Oh, we love the idea. We love the concept. And then we had a date and I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I don't, I'm at this point, I'm just turned 24 and I'm like, I've been fucking wrestling for five years. Like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. So like, I'm like trying to book these people and like people are like, "Mm, is this really an event? Like I could tell people, (laughs) I I could tell, I could tell, I could just tell people were like, is is this real? Like, what is this? Like, why is MB young hitting us up about a booking right now? Right. And I don't, I, I understand that because I was nowhere. I never even fucking thought I'd be doing this. And, uh, Somehow we crawled our way to the first one, and it was fucking hot, man. We sold that shit out. People loved that shit, and um, there was a lot of hiccups, for sure. Some people that will never be involved again, for sure. But nonetheless, uh, it was fucking hot, and people were like, man, that was fucking cool. And then we announced our Mania Week show, and then, of course, you announce anything that has to do with fucking ma- <laughs> with Mania Week. Right, absolutely. And my DMs are fucking relentlessly filled. And uh, so we did. And I still think that even though so many workers won the work for us Mania Week, I still think a lot of people were skeptical. But I think when we sold out Mania Week, people were like, oh, fuck. So henceforth, well, we did the the Halloween show, which was also very successful and on a Thursday night nonetheless. So that was like very or maybe Wednesday night. And people were like, wow. And and we did Fight TV and we had like, okay, fucking gifting and shit. And people were like, whoa, okay, this looks really legitimate yeah um and then you know we announced mania last week and my dms have been a goddamn mess um (laughs) so uh is there anybody uh we should be looking forward to for that mania show is there anybody that we haven't heard maybe that you haven't heard of yet um maybe a potential aew star that is very prominent um Mm. in our hearts uh, uh both as a professional wrestler and as an icon in the lgbtq community do I want to announce yet? I don't think I do. But you saw, <laughs> but you saw, you saw the poster. We have RJ City, Danhausen, Effie. Of course, MB Young's going to be there. Allison Cat is going to be there. It's going to be a good, a very. Uh, let me let me say this. One of my favorite upcoming LGBTQ wrestlers, Billy Dixon, is going to be there, and I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna blow the roof off the place. I think he has a lot of potential. He's going to be wrestling Devin Monroe, another LGBTQ wrestler, uh, more of a lucha style, and I think that they're going to win over a lot of fans that weekend. That's the match that I'm looking forward to the most personally because they're both not not unknown, but I think they're going to I think they're going to teach a lot of people who they are. Um, as far as the big draws go, and who you just referenced, I know you know you little scoundrel. Uh, <laughs> well. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll wait around and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if that happens. It looks like it's gonna happen, but I'll let you know. But there might be a prominent AEW LGBTQ figure uh, showing up on Uncanny Attractions, Tampa. Absolutely. Well, we'll we'll keep a listen. We'll uh, see what you post. Yeah. Uh, hint hint. Uh, if you want to take a look at our archives of LGBT <laughs> people, we have interviewed on a shot of wrestling. Maybe you can narrow down the field a little yeah. bit. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, while we're talking about LGBT performers, is that something that, you know, when you created Uncanny and Traxxas, you wanted to be an all-inclusive show? Yeah, Um, absolutely. What is the vision for it? I think the vision for uh, Uncanny has, yeah, has always been uh, inclusivity. It's always been to be inclusive. It's always been, and that's not just, that's not just, uh, you know, queer workers, which are so many talented. It's queer and, uh, you know, people of color and just like also like uh, a fucking like spectacle. Like that's why we do the drag and stuff like that. But uh, have you ever done drag before? No, I haven't. I want to so bad. But also it's a, it's just like wrestling. It's like you can't just walk into it and just be a wrestler type. Gotcha. So I, I'm going to do drag one day. <laughs> Mark my words. All right. Um, uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> but yeah, and that was the original idea. And we were with you know we the first show was i think i think i always tell uh darnell who's another producer on the show darnell mitchell i always say you know if we're over seven i want 70 percent queer workers on every show mm. and you know this show i think the mania weekend sh- the mania week show is maybe the least 
queer workers and it's just because of who is buzzing right now but there's also me allison effie the person we are talking about mm-hmm. billy Devin. you know we're getting the the mix in there um and also i would say that something that we need that we've been working on because the first three times we ran it was just like i don't know why it was just everyone was taking those more female workers more uh women overall involved who do you have your eye on right now uh, as far for, as female workers for Mania Weekend or just, just like in a, general? Yeah, I mean, there's so there's so many right now that I just, like. I think that Allison's like gonna have a big year this. Year. I think Alley Cat's gonna have a big year this year, 2020. Mm-hmm. I think Alley Cat's gonna be like the name. Uh, I right. think she's gonna be like up there with like Dan Housen and War Horse. Absolutely. Um, I think that Faye Jackson's about to have a very big year. Um, she's, she's worked hard to build her name. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Once, once Candy Lee comes over from New Zealand, um, which she's told me before that she's definitely considering moving over to states full time. I think that she's gonna blow up. Okay. I think that, uh, like, okay, so we have Shaz McKenzie on our um, our Mania show, and I think that, I mean, she's already very well known, but like, I think that like maybe a next level type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is gonna be a big year overall for like because so many people have been sucked up to the TV realm, I think it's going to be a really big year for intergender wrestling. I see 2020 being really big for that. Every year, bro. Every year we talk about, like, this is a great year to be a wrestling fan. There's so many great things going on. And and I feel like wrestling just always supersedes it. And and then it says, like, you know what? No, 2019 was great, but just wait till 2020. Just wait till 2021. And just... As a fan, when you see a lot of your great independent stars in the area get souped up by the big companies, right. it creates an opportunity mm-hmm. for a lot of other people that you may have not been paying attention to. Absolutely. But, you know, this is the opportunity that people like you are looking for. Yeah. You know, this is the opportunity that it's going to put the spotlight on the people that may have not gotten picked up, but right. will soon be the future right. Right. of professional wrestling. And that's how I feel about it too, is, you know, I was, you know, I'm 25 now, but I was in my early twenties and my teens and I was just looking at everyone with, with big eyes and sponging whatever I could in. What, who am I? What am I? What am I going to do? And now it's like so many people have been sucked up and mm-hmm. it's like, there's, there's, you know, it's make or break. It's you fucking show out and you give these fuck. And I'm not, even, I'm going to be, I'm being very honest when I say, I'm not even thinking about a TV contract. I'm really not. I'm just thinking about what am I going to do to be the next entity in professional wrestling that you fucking care about me? Because so many people you care about are now on TV and maybe not utilized the way you want. How am I going to make these New York crowds, you know, be just as entertained as they were when Orange Cassidy was working Outlaw, or what, or, or just as entertained as when Johnny Gargano and Champa? four years ago we're killing it on the indies you know how am i going to make you care about indie wrestling as much as you did in that time period and you know now that i'm getting a following i do feel responsible like when i see people are coming to shows because i'm on them i do feel responsible there's no fucking like working an eight minute match and learning from it anymore it's like you need to be what you are you need to be the person that you need to deliver for these people that are coming to see you now and with that pressure you say that every year it's elevated, it's going to make any entertainment, any, in any field, you're going to elevate yourself if you have that kind of pressure on you. Right. And that's how I feel right now. I was like, man, this has to be a big fucking year for me. That's how I feel. Absolutely. And I love, I love that kind of like, I feel that I feel it in my stomach, you know, I'm like, right, let's fucking go. Well, you are the leader of this <laughs> cult. Yes. The cult polyamorous. The, the, the poly cult. Yes. Poly cult. Oh my. Could you explain what that means? Well, I mean, I guess basically what my what it means is that uh, <laughs> I got a whole bunch of, of, of romantic partners and we're all in this together and MV is here to protect you all. And so is M- MV a polygamist? MV is now MV is now a polygamist uh, as of 2020. New year, new me, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm polygamous and uh, everyone's my partner and, you know, I appreciate you supporting me and being polygamous with me and that's you know we're just a big polyamorous cult you know and that's you get the you get to have the fun of being cult members and i i face the stress of being the cult leader and it's fine because that's what i was born to do so here we are so does the cult leader have a type (laughs) no absolutely not i don't have any type uh we are open to anyone that's 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 one of the rules is there's no type if you believe in MV, MV believes in you. And that is the vision. Um, as long as you envy MV just a little bit, you can be in our cult. 
<laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> I don't know if my wife will let me uh, oh. join the call, but maybe she she could be. You know how many people have asked me if they, they they say, "Oh yeah, we need to ask their wife." I'm like, you know what? Let me ask your wife for you, and then you guys are both in the cult the next day. So it'll be it'll work out just fine <laughs> for you. Well, listen, if if you know the day turns into night, yeah. your wife comes in. Envy will already be here. Exactly. Shot of wrestling studios. Wow, we knows? might have two new members as of tonight. This is so exciting, Polly Cult. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> so many great things happening in 2020, and this is just probably going to be the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, just the beginning. Um, you mentioned there's a big responsibility into what you're doing and what you're going to be doing for the New York City scene. Yeah, Brooklyn is a big stage for for that scene. Yeah, it, it kind of becomes a character. Yeah, like I don't feel like a lot of the no ring stuff would be happening in any other borough. No, a lot of the great uh, shows going on would be happening in any other borough. The things that you're doing. So fill me in on some of the things that are coming up for Uncanny Attractions that are coming up for you mm-hmm. in 2020. So for Uncanny Attractions, we our next show is going to be uh, in Tampa. So it's not going to be, you know, our next Brooklyn show will probably not be till the summer. However, one thing that I need to talk about because I'm so fucking excited about it. Um, and by the time this will be released, it will have been announced is um, February 6th, 2020. We are going to have MV Young's New York Fashion Week No Ring Deathmatch Whoa. Extravaganza, um, which is just like the most fucking <laughs> the most fucking exciting project that I've ever fucking produced. You know, uh, I've told you that I, you know, I produce live events and obviously I've gone into this through Lynn and other things and. Uh, networking through other people um, just like as New York is you meet people and things snowball and you start to one day people know you as a producer so now we are producing uh, this fucking no ring uh, death match on the first day of New York Fashion Week it's a legitimate fashion show uh, with also musical performances uh, one of my best friends is playing in her band uh, all female fronted bands um no straight size models. It's all curved models, only transgender models, nice. all upstart designers. Um, and it's going to be at Our Wicked Lady in Bushwick, uh, which is where I've what had a great venue, a fucking beautiful venue. Um, I've had uh, lots of No Ring Deathmatch uh, events there, but all, this is going to be unlike anything ever. And I think the coolest thing is going to be to see what kind of publicity we can get out of. You know, I don't think that any New York Fashion Week show in this in in 2020 is doing no ring death matches. I think you're gonna bring you're gonna bring three different types of fans to this fucking event, which I was telling you is so important in 2020 is get Absolutely. the new eyes on it. What are we gonna get? We're gonna get the indie alt bands uh, fan bases. We're gonna get the people that are there for fashion. And we're gonna get the people there for wrestling. And who knows? Maybe all three of those types of people are gonna fuck with each other. And by the end of the day. We have musical, fashion, and wrestling fans that love it all now. And now we are, uh, we're in a new fucking beginning where we have new fans on wrestling, or new eyes on wrestling, new eyes on fashion, and new eyes on, on the musical bands. And that's what this is about. And, and that's, New York Fashion Week is a, it's a huge thing. Like, yeah, so for people who are listening to the show who are not from the New York area, like, yeah. it's a big deal. Like, the city comes out oh, for New York Fashion Week. Oh, and not only Week. that, I mean, it's like, even in, in fashion in the entire world, I mean, it's like... It's number one. Yeah. I mean, it's the number one thing. I mean, there's Milan and there's uh, Paris, which are big. Don't get me wrong. But everybody, if you're in Paris and you're in Milan, you still want to do New York Fashion Week if that's your vibe uh, is fashion. And we're fucking doing that. And we're doing that with fucking pro wrestling. With pro wrestling, wow. we're bringing you a New York Fashion Week show. Who the fuck? I mean, honestly, six years ago, who the f- no one would have told me that that was possible, that we're going to put this – a wrestling fashion show together. It's going to be unlike anything anyone's ever seen. And I think it's going to impress a lot of people. And I think it's going to bring a lot of crossover eyes, which is the most important I love thing. It. Yeah. Right. We definitely talked to Effie and then someone that we brought up uh, in the conversation, but you know, he was very big on bringing those new eyes to professional wrestling. Yeah. He was very um, adamant about, yeah. you know, like if you're a promotion, you, you have your casual wrestling fans. Absolutely. To the show. You have your fans who will always be there. But what are you doing mm-hmm. to really bring eyes to professional wrestling that weren't there before? And I mean, this show that you just right. talked about, like, right. I mean, that's I, transcending like so many different things. Absolutely. And, the, and here's what I this is the way I see it. As I told you earlier, I think that no ring brings in fans unlike other unlike regular wrestling usually doesn't. Now, when you're presenting new, no ring to people 
who are in the fashion and music industry, you know, that's, that's what you're, that's what you're really doing. And that's part of the reason I love pro wrestling and drag with my regular wrestling shows is mm-hmm. because I think pro wrestling and drag are on par with each other. And I think there's so much crossover potential to begin with. Absolutely. Is there a lot of crossover with fashion um, and wrestling? A little bit. We're in tiny ass little fucking tights and we got these fucking, some people got fucking, you know, we got crazy shit on. So there's a little bit, but nonetheless, you, if you're coming there for a fashion show and you're seeing the spectacle of a no ring death match and now you love wrestling, oh, you're fucking welcome. MV Young did that for you, baby. <laughs> uh, you're going there for a music show for your fucking friends or whatever, and you know you see no ring and you fall in love with pro wrestling. Oh, you're welcome. MV Young did that. For if you. you think that fashion and pro wrestling are not hand in hand, let's let's right. look back. Right. Let's right. take a back into the archives. Macho yeah. Man Randy Savage, exactly. the robes, Ric right. Flair, the robes, oh, ravishing. Rick Rude, right? You know, currently we have Velveteen Dream, right? And you don't, you see these people. I say that I, I've been saying this for so long because of my whenever I was doing the modeling shit. Whenever I originally lived in New York, and like I'm just like, man, these fucking runways look like a goddamn '80s WrestleMania entrance <laughs> every fucking year. Like, you know, oh, this is fashion. This is high fashion. I'm like, bitch, fucking, you know, Jim Johnson was writing themes for this motherfucker in his in his robes and, and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. 15 fucking years ago, people were coming. The Rock was legitimately walking out in Gucci shirts in the 90s. Like, this motherfucker, you know, this is real. This is, it, it, you know, it's, it's because of however this fucking idea built up, but... Pro wrestling is the epitome of fucking pop culture and entertainment. Absolutely. If you want to deny it or not, and and sometimes it's really bad, and mainstream wrestling is not great right now, but I'll tell you this right now. Pro wrestling has always been the epitome of pop culture and fashion and entertainment and just a fucking live event that you're never going to... And sometimes... You know, people aren't going to believe you when you say that, so you have to go fucking prove that to them. And that's why this New York Fashion Week show is fucking happening, because we're going to prove it to them that we are entities. Shot a wrestling exclusive. MB Young is guaranteeing a wrestling show, a no-ring wrestling show for New York Fashion Week. Man. I'm beyond excited, bro. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm so fucking excited. I can't believe we're, we're even talking about like these worlds coming I, together. I know. You know, as we're wrapping up our time here on A Shot of Wrestling, uh, you know, this past year has been big for MB Young. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to take the moment to congratulate you on everything you have accomplished so far. Thank you. We've already talked about some of the things that you've already setting up for 2020, yeah. which I'm sure you're, you're, you're definitely going to crush you know mm. um your physique man you you're someone who is on social media mm. who's putting your body out there mm-hmm. who's like hey this is me all of me naked or not you yeah. know take it as you have yeah, it. yeah you've worked really hard on your physique you know what's yeah. your training reg- regimen like um so basically you know i let me just start like that actually is something that's very important to me because the first thing i want to say is like this is i want this to be important to everyone because as someone uh, this is going to get very deep guys, but as someone who's battled eating disorders their entire life, this level of confidence that I've found in the last two years, unlike anything I have ever had in my life, because I used to be, I used to be very overweight as a child. Um, basically until I started boxing and I started playing rugby and I started playing football, I was very overweight. And even then I was starving myself and I was, you know, guys, I, I, I struggled with like bulimia and things like that. Wow. And that, never really ended until like two years ago. And basically me becoming a certified personal trainer at the time, uh, um, I found, you know, a lot of time to be in the gym a lot because it was my job. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was doing, I still am doing lifting and cardio every single day. I do Muay Thai. Uh, I train in Muay Thai. Um, and I train in grappling. I don't tell anyone that, but that's what I do, um, for cardio. Um, sometimes I do long distance running, whatever, but, um, the important thing is this, is that whether I'm a little chubbier than I used to be, or if I'm, if at the moment I'm not as lean as I used to be, I think it's important for me to put myself out there and be, and you guys see that I'm owning my body no matter what state it's in. Because I know that for so long I would fucking shut down in fear if I felt like I was a little more chubby than I used to be, mm-hmm. or if I was a little more, what, what, if I was a little more overweight, you know, I wouldn't want to fucking... And, you know, I don't want to take my shirt off if I was at Coney Island or I would even, but and as someone who takes a shirt off every fucking week now, it's like, I want you guys to know that I feel hot no matter how I fucking look when I'm out there. And I feel like I want that to rub off. And, and when I tell, 
And this is where the ridiculous idea of me having a poly cult rubs over into real life is I want you guys to feed off of my my body positivity and my confidence, no matter what your sexuality is, no matter what your gender is, and no matter how you feel about yourself, I want you to own yourselves because I lived crippled for so long in anxiety and fear of how people thought about my body and my looks that one day I decided that I was going to say, fuck it, I'm hot no matter what. And if nothing else, I hope that that is something that people pick up when they watch MB Young perform. I mean, you're hitting close to home for me, brother, because, you know, I'm not a, you know, a skinny dude. Mm -hmm. I'm a bigger guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And definitely I feel like my family has definitely put a lot of pressures into, you know, your weight and how you are. Like usually like the first thing, uh, like in a Spanish family, like the first thing someone says after they say hello to you, it's like, oh, you look a little thin. Oh, you look a little heavy. What are you eating? Like it's like usually the first thing and it creates something in your mind where it's like, you know, weight is something that is important to you. Right. You know, it's something that my wife and I are trying to break for our child. And it's like, I don't want you to talk about my son being thin, small, right. big, you know, right, right, right. because this is where it starts, you right. know. So for so many years, I've seen myself as just like someone who's just big, like yeah. in, no matter what weight I was. Right. I could be the, the smallest version of me. I still would <laughs> consider myself as someone big. You know, mental health is something that yeah. we've talked about a lot on this show, mm-hmm. um, especially I feel more in this past year with a few of the deaths that have rocked the wrestling community. Yeah. You know, how's your mental health nowadays? So this is this is important. This is this is why. Okay, part of the reason I I do still claim Brooklyn, New York, but I'm actually not actively living in Brooklyn, New York. And here's why: I went through some shit personally, and I just decided that it was best for me to go back to my hometown of Pittsburgh and really sort my shit out. And um, in this time that I've been back in Pittsburgh, I've been actively going to therapy. And I will tell you right now that it, had I not gone to therapy, I still think I'd be doing good, but I wouldn't be on the level that I'm at right mm. now mentally focused because my therapist is amazing and she has helped me realize what is important and what isn't um, for like, she's helped me reverse negative thought patterns um, and she's helped me really capture this like emotion and the strength in my mind that I feel like I can go out there and do anything at any point. Whereas sometimes like sometimes I had that and then other times I was just a prisoner of my own mind. And now I feel like because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm work as we were talking about working out my body, I'm working out my mind in mm. the same way mm-hmm. that I was working out my body. Yeah. That's fucking important, man. Totally. Because like you don't realize what these negative fucking thought patterns can do to your mind state if you're not practicing and like if you're not learning new whatever, any new thought patterns, new ways to approach uh, rejection and shit like that. Whereas opposed to it was just like, Oh man, this guy, this company didn't want me. Oh, this, this boy or this girl didn't want to go out with me. Like, Oh my God, this fucking, I'm a fucking loser. And then it's just like learning how to cope with that has literally changed my fucking outlook on life. Mm-hmm. And that's all happened in the last four months. Like since I've gone back to Pittsburgh and like really like focusing on myself personally, Michael Young, not MV Young and like, like fixing my mental state, fixing, you know, my, my personal life too. And just like that, having a healthy real life has just affected me having like, and everyone says about how much I've like, you know, really blown up on Twitter and shit in the last couple months. And like, that's, that's hand in hand with my, with my therapy, man. That's hand in hand. Like literally you even see me make little jokes about it on Twitter. Like, Oh, my therapist made me a God or like, you know, like (laughs) obviously, and I don't believe that I'm a deity, but like sometimes I just feel so fucking powerful and free from this fucking shit that like I can go out there and, and, you know, be what MV Young is because I've gone out of my way to do this therapy. Yeah, no, that's totally important. We couldn't finish up this interview with Shot of Wrestling if we didn't talk about a moment alcohol may have made a positive or a negative influence on you. Like, <laughs> oh you know, God. how does all tell us a story about something where, you know, shots or alcohol has, has, has played a role. Holy hell. I, mean, <laughs> I guess I could, it make, was just new year's too. So yeah, sure I know. No, I had a, I, I had a great new year's. Um, I can make a list. Okay. Let me start. Let's say, um, the first time the alcohol made a really bad influence in my life. Was, yeah. This is like, um, when I went, um, <clears throat> I was, 
a junior in high school and I went to a college and we all had fake IDs and shit and we were like uh, just partying and then one of my friends gone to a fight with some dude for no fucking reason about like working out or some dumb bro shit like that and then it was like a stupid fight and we were all drinking and whatever and like I thought they left the party and then we left the party and then when we left the party we got fucking jumped oh, shit. Uh, yeah we got jumped <laughs> jumped and I got my ass beat and then for some reason the cops saw me swinging fists, so I also got arrested, even though I was just defending myself. Um, I got like my front, like to- my, my front tooth. It's still chipped because it always falls out because I'm a professional wrestler now. But it got knocked out. My eye was all black. My ear was all swollen, and uh, that was the first time in my life that um, alcohol really affected me in a way that made me. Uh, a, I got cited and arrested for it, and B, uh, realized that you know maybe this college life isn't <laughs> isn't the way for me. Well. It happens in college. Oh, know? yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, 2020 is going to be a great year for you, man. I hope I so. I feel yeah. it. We've already talked about some of the things yeah. that are in play for you. Yeah. Uh, if we wanted to keep touch of that journey. Yes. You know, let's add to those Twitter followers. Tell us okay. We could follow you on social okay. media. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are both at the only MV Young. And then Facebook is just simply MV Young. Brother. It was a pleasure having you on a shot of wrestling. There's still more to the show, so hang around and we'll bring you back for last call. Thank you so much. This is the American Attraction MV Young. Thank you for listening, but we are not done yet. If you want more Shots of Wrestling, listen to it, a Shot of Wrestling podcast on Spotify Radio. New episodes drop every Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I need to announce it's last, last call, call at, at the, the bar. bar. Oh. All right, everybody, we have made it to the end of the episode, and it's last call. We're still here with the American Attraction MV Young. Now, this is how you play MV First thing that comes to your mind when I ask the question is the first thing you should answer. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> then away we go. What is your favorite adult beverage? Wow. I get made fun of this all the time. And you know who makes fun of me for this is Allison Cat, Alley Cat. My favorite adult beverage is a fucking gin and soda water because zero carbs and just get me drunk. I don't need any of the, I don't, I don't need any of the flavor and everyone makes fun of me for this, but this is my drink. And if you ever see me out in public and you want to buy me a drink, that's what you buy MV Young. All right. MV outside of wrestling, what is your guilty pleasure? Isn't that obvious? Isn't it? Uh, No, no. And I won't even other than, uh, other than sex, uh, let's see, my guilty pleasure outside of wrestling. I'm actually kind of a film person. I'm really into film. That's um, something that people kind of like make fun of me for because I call movies films and people think that that's weird. But I do work in film sometimes also. As you know, cool. the scene in New York's popping. Yeah. Um, I'm a big film person. Uh, it's not well received, but for some reason, because I think people think that I'm pretentious about it. But yeah. I'm a little bit of a, a film nerd. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. No doubt. Um, what iconic wrestler, dead or alive, would you like to feud with? Okay, there's. Uh, can I say two? Go for it. <sighs> Sorry, you get two. I'm sorry. Uh, China and Eddie Guerrero. Oh, a program with China would have been sick. Yeah, I want a program. Yeah. China and Eddie Guerrero like would be my my fucking life made. Envy, what is your motto in life? My motto, my motto in life is also my catchphrase. My name is MV Young and you all envy Young. That's how I live my life. That's how I live my life. What is the worst job you've ever had? Oh my God. Where do I even, the worst job. <laughs> where did you start? I worked at fucking Domino's for two years. Who is your celebrity crush? Oh my God. I have so many. Okay, right now my celebrity crush is Selena Gomez. She put on uh, some weight and she looks amazing and I'm all about her right now. If you could change anything about yourself, what would it be? Absolutely nothing. I'm gorgeous. Love it. And finally, male, female, gay, straight, mainstream, or indie, who are your favorite top three wrestlers of all time? Top three wrestlers top three. of all time. Okay. <clears throat> I'm really – I like influence, and I like people that have created a crossover platform. So <laughs> – this and this, uh, we're talking big picture here, right? right okay, big okay, picture, okay. Big, big picture. Everyone's gonna fucking hate me for this, 
The Rock, Batista, and John Cena. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they put fucking eyes on wrestling that otherwise would not be on wrestling because of their Hollywood crossover. And that's why they're important. They're more important to us than you even realize. If you don't, I don't give a fuck if you're like, oh, the work rate of Batista or John Cena or Dwayne, it doesn't matter. People know what pro wrestling is because of the three people I just named that otherwise would never watch. Well, I lied. That is not our last question. Mm-hmm. Do Mary Kill, Rock, Batista, and John Cena? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, okay, so I am going. I'm okay. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to fuck the Rock because I feel like he's a fuck boy, and he, anyways, and he wouldn't want to be with me. Uh, I'm going to kill John Cena, and I'm just going to say why because only because of the other option, which is Batista. And I feel like Batista is just like very loving and very respectful. I watched his twenty four seven video, whatever it was, twenty four seven three six five. Sounds like a cool dude. He's like, you know what? He's like, I grew up with two moms, and like he's he would respect that MV's bisexual, and he I feel like he would like brush MV's hair behind his ear before bed and tell him that he was important. So I'm gonna marry you, Batista. Is what I'm saying. I love it. Love letters to Batista <laughs> yeah. coming to you soon. What a great way to kick off the year twenty twenty. It's already getting to. A great start here with MV. <laughs> I'm stumbling on my words. You're making me a little nervous. But that is the end of the show. Thank you, MV, for joining us. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you for having me. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing. Hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby. But I got you pinned. Ha, 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs>